We're not leaving until we have a lot of your job. Good day. I said good day. From Pacifica Radio's KPFK in Los Angeles, this is your broadcast. As heard on 90.7 FM in LA, 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Oregon coast, coast to coast and around the globe on KPFK.org. On iTunes, the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, and Radio Sputnik, five days a week. Glad you could join us. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow from bradblog.com. And uh, we have another action-packed, thrilling adventure ahead, as, as we do every day, as I say, five days a week. Coming off of yesterday's uh, show, which, by the way, was was incredible. If you did not hear it, Beth Clarkson, the statistician from Kansas, uh, who, who says she, uh, or at least believes, she has found evidence of manipulation of voting machines in Kansas. And she's uh, being blocked by the Kansas Secretary of State from, being, from looking any further, from looking at those public records. Uh, if you did not hear yesterday's program and that interview, and by the way, I'm, I'm skeptical of, uh, of at least part of her, uh, her theory. I'm not skeptical of the idea that people ought to be able to oversee their own elections if they have concerns about them. In any event, if you didn't hear that interview, check it out. You can get it at bradblog.com in full. You can go to iTunes, download it there in full. Uh, and uh, and if you do go over to iTunes, be sure to subscribe to the uh, to the broadcast, and you'll get it for free every single day that you want to hear it. In any event, and uh, you uh, you should give us a good review when you're over there to make it a little bit easier for other people to also find the broadcast at iTunes. Although you'll have to when you go to iTunes, you probably have to search for Brad Friedman because if you search for broadcast, they think it's a typo. And they give you everything that has the word broadcast in it. Boy, I ought to think ahead sometimes when I name these things. In any event, um, we'll be speaking momentarily. We'll be heading down to uh, Texas, but I want to... Desi Doyen is here. Not Texas. Kentucky. I was looking at you, Desi Doyen, and thinking Texas. Because <laughs> yeah, no. you're from Texas. Uh, right. In any event, uh, our producer, Desi Doyen, uh, is with us as ever. We're going to... Um, uh, a little bit later, uh, hopefully, if I have the time, I keep trying to get to this. Some some instances, some disturbing instances, and some mm, kind of funny instances of voter suppression, which is always hilarious. Oh yes, uh, in uh, in Missouri, my home state of Missouri, Alabama, Georgia, and some other places, and President Obama. He's chilling up in the Arctic yeah. uh, this week and um, uh, causing trouble by renaming mountains, <laughs> which is hilarious. But he said he his speech on uh, on global warming up in the Arctic was uh, quite impressive, even though he has approved drilling up in the Arctic by one 
one company, Shell Oil, one drill. Is it one drill or two, Desi Doyen? Uh, they were approved to, for two wells, but they can only do one at a time. One at a Okay. For the most part. Uh, and uh, a lot of environmentalists are justifiably upset about that. On the other hand, his remarks were pretty powerful. Oh, up very, there in very, the very so, powerful. Yeah. Uh, if the radio gods are with us, we will have an extended clip from that a little bit later because nobody else does. But first, well, another wild day in Kentucky on Tuesday. Uh, all right, we've talked about this story over the past week or so, but just to try to uh, quickly bring us up to speed here, in late June, of course, the U.S. Supreme Court declared marriage equality a fundamental right in all 50 states. And at that time, Rowan County, Kentucky clerk Kim Davis a Democrat, interestingly enough, was one of several county clerks in the state and indeed uh, in other states around the country to declare that she would not issue licenses for any marriages at all if she had to license them to gay couples as well. And at the time, Kentucky's Democratic governor, Steve Bashir, uh, who is not a proponent of uh, marriage equality, as I recall, I might be wrong on that, we'll find out in a second, nonetheless, he issued... This statement at the beginning of July, he said our county clerks took an oath as elected officials to uphold the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of Kentucky and to provide important duties in their communities. This oath does not dictate what our clerks must believe, but it certainly prescribes how they must act in carrying out their duties as elected officials. While there are certainly strongly held views on both sides of the issue, Bashir said, the fact remains that each clerk vowed to uphold the law regardless of his or her personal beliefs. At the same time, Rowan County Clerk Kim Davis stood firm at the time, saying in her own statement that, quote, my conscience will not allow me to issue a license for a same-sex couple because I know that God-ordained marriage from the very foundation of this world to be between a man and a woman. That was uh, Clerk Davis back in July. Four couples, two uh, gay uh, couples and two straight couples, sued the Rowan County clerk in federal district court. They won their case. Uh, clerk Davis was then ordered to issue licenses, but that order was stayed pending her appeal to the U.S. Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. She then lost at the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. She was ordered to issue marriage licenses again. She refused and appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court uh, last Friday, seeking an emergency, uh, quote, asylum for her conscience. The Supreme Court refused to hear her case. That's the U.S. Supreme Court, which means she's now required to issue licenses while she appeals her case on up the channels properly, likely back to the U.S. Supreme Court. And on Tuesday, following the Supreme Court's refusal to hear the case, the couples returned to Rowan County Clerk to the Rowan County Clerk's office, some of them for the uh, for the fourth time, I believe, to finally get their licenses to simply get married. Davis once again refused them. Here was that scene on Tuesday morning as uh, the couples were trying to get their marriage license from Rowan County Clerk Kim Davis. The appeal stay has been denied. Mm -hmm. Right. The so, is the order that you're supposed to issue marriage licenses. And we're not issuing marriage the Supreme today. Court denied your stay. We are not issuing marriage licenses today. So Based I would, on what? I would ask you all Why to are you not
Because I'm not. Under Why? whose authority? His Are you authority. not issuing God's authority? authority. Did Lord tell you I don't to do this? Did God tell you to do this? Did God I tell you to treat us? I don't like this. I've asked you all to leave. You are interrupting my You can business. call the police if you want us to leave. You can call the police. I pay your salary. I pay your salary. I pay you to discriminate against me right now. That's what I'm paying for. That's what I'm paying for. I'm paying for this memory with my partner that I love that I've been with for 17 years. What's the longest you've been with someone that you've been married to someone? I'm asking you to leave. I'm not leaving. Okay, you all, I'm asking just you. Just I'm push not back leaving. away. You all, we're looking to stay. Just push back away from the counter. No, we're not leaving until we have a license. We're not leaving then until you're we have a license. Do your job. Well, call the police. Call the police. When they come, I will ask them to arrest you. Do your job. Call the police. Call the police. Well, that was some of the scene Tuesday morning uh, from uh, WKYT TV in uh, in Louisville, Kentucky. Rowan County Clerk Kim Davis refusing to issue licenses, even though she's been ordered by pretty much every court in the land at this point, refusing under, quote, under the authority of God. Joining us now to discuss this case and where it goes from here is Joe Dunman. He's a civil rights and employment attorney with the firm Clay Daniel Walton and Adams in Louisville, Kentucky. He was co-counsel for the Kentucky couples in the landmark marriage equality case, Obergefell, I can never say that right, Obergefell versus Hodges, and is currently co-counsel for these four couples now suing the clerk of Rowan County, Kentucky, to obtain marriage licenses. Joe Dunman, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Sure. I really appreciate you coming here, particularly on what I suspect is a, well, another busy day in Rowan County uh, right now. Uh, Did I get, did I hit all of the data points correctly in my, in my summary there? I want to make sure we got it right, both for your clients and, uh, and frankly for uh, Kim Davis. Yeah, I think you, you hit most of it pretty good. Uh, The one thing to note is that, you know, procedurally, we barely gotten anywhere in this case. I mean, what what we did was we moved for what's called a preliminary injunction, saying mm-hmm. that uh, our client's constitutional rights have been violated, and so the court should put a stop to it while we continue the case. Um, the judge, uh, Judge Bunning, uh, in the Eastern District of Kentucky, agreed with us, and he granted the injunction and, uh, and said that, you know, while we continue this case, she has to issue licenses. Uh, she sought a stay which was rejected by Judge Bunning, and then was rejected by the Sixth Circuit, and mm-hmm. then was just rejected by the U.S. Supreme Court. So now the injunction is in place. Meanwhile, she's appealed the original injunction, so we still have to go to the Sixth Circuit on that, and the case still resi- remains uh, in the district court uh, for um, you know the merits, if you mm-hmm. will, uh, getting to the bottom of, of you know the extent of her constitutional violations and uh, who she uh, and who she works for, either the state or the county, which is also an issue right now. So essentially what the court is saying that uh, they're not looking at the merits yet of, of your clients, uh, specifically your clients' constitutional rights, or even her constitutional rights that, uh, that she is claiming. Right now what they're saying is, yes, we can sort all of that out in a court, in trial, and everything else, but for now, this is what the law is. She has to go ahead and issue these licenses. Right. That's that's a pretty good summary. Uh, how did you become? I want to talk more about uh, the this entire fine mess. But how did you become involved in this case in the uh, landmark? Uh, how do I say? Oh, Oberg- oh, I can never say it. Say it for Obergefell. me. 
Obergefell. Obergefell, yeah. thank you. How did you no become, become involved in the Obergefell case that went to the Supreme Court in the first place? Well, um, Obergefell was actually six cases all combined into one. Mm-hmm. Two of those cases came from Kentucky. Um, in late 2013, um, my firm, along with a, another firm called the Favre Law Office here in Kentucky mm-hmm. in Louisville, uh, we brought first a case um, on behalf of four couples seeking uh, to have their marriages recognized. They'd been married out of the state, and they sought recognition. Uh, Kentucky had a constitutional ban on, on same-sex marriage, and we challenged that under the 14th Amendment. Um, we won in the district court. Uh, late, uh, the late Judge Hayburn, Judge uh, John Hayburn, uh, agreed with us that it was against uh, the 14th Amendment, uh, and he struck down the recognition ban. Uh, we then intervened in our own case with two more couples, uh, that um, you know that sought to be married in in the state of Kentucky who weren't previously married, mm-hmm. um, and that was that was actually called Love versus Bashir, right? Um, and on behalf of Tim Love and Larry Yusenza, two of our clients, um, and so we we won again, um, and then both cases were consolidated in the Sixth Circuit with uh, four other cases from all the other states in the circuit. Uh, unfortunately, we lost there, and then uh, we ended up in the Supreme Court under the name Obergefell versus Hodges. So. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, we started here uh, representing six couples in Kentucky who either wanted recognition or wanted to get married here, and, and we ended up in the highest court of the land. And are any of the uh, couples that you're now representing, they weren't a part of that original case that went all the way to the Supreme Court. These are new new couples, correct? That is correct. Um, when we got to the Supreme Court uh, in Obergefell, uh, we... We were joined by the ACLU, who helped the Kentucky case, and we uh, we built a relationship with them. And then once uh, the Rowan County clerk, and in Kentucky we pronounce it Rowan. Oh, um, I screwed yeah, up the is, whole intro. i got to go back no, and do it, the whole... <laughs> it's, it's absolutely fine. Um, no, you, you pronounce it as it should be. Um, <laughs> at any rate, um, we, you know, we, we were working with the ACLU, and we, we have a good relationship with them, and um, we learned that the Rowan County clerk had uh, begun denying licenses. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, we were contacted, or they, the ACLU was contacted by clients, and, and Bill Sharp with the ACLU of Kentucky asked us to join to help since we had some experience in this realm, and, uh, and we were happy to do so. So we, we joined this case as well, and we're continuing the fight. And what exactly would Rowan County Clerk Kim Davis need to do to follow the law here? What, what exactly is it that she is claiming would violate her religious convictions as, as she sees it? In other words, she doesn't have to perform marriages does she as a county clerk no no she's not she's not obligated to as as our law calls it solemnize a marriage at all um you know the only thing she has to do is stamp her name on the documents that are filed uh with the state um that's always been the case it's a very simple statute that says you know um all all marriage licenses will be issued by the clerk and then uh, you know the name will be signed and it gets filed away um, she argues in, in her argument so far, she claims that, that putting her name on it, uh, she is authorizing and blessing those marriages. Uh, and Judge Bunning disagreed and said, look, you're just certifying that they meet the legal standards, that they're eligible for marriage licenses. That's all you're doing. You're not blessing anything. Um, and, you know, for that reason, there's, she doesn't have a religious objection. Uh, not to mention that, that, you know, there's no case law to support the idea that public officials have religious rights that trump the civil rights of other people. Well, sure. If, if you were a Catholic under this same thinking, for example, you could refuse to issue a license to somebody who had uh, previously received a divorce uh, under that same uh, con- conscience, uh, religious freedom. Could you not? 
Yeah, I mean, extending her logic outward, I mean, there's really no end to what a public official could do. I mean, all they have to do is claim that they sincerely believe something, and they just do it. And, and one of the things that, that I always think about is, you know, I'm, I... I want people to imagine a Muslim clerk in Kentucky denying mm. licenses to Christian couples as they walk in the door, mm. um, and, and whether or not people would be standing up for religious freedom. I mean, it, it's just, you put that kind of power in the hands of public officials, and then, you know, the, the equal protection clause of the 14th Amendment just stops meaning anything. Uh, it sure does. Has she, this asylum of conscience, I don't think I've ever heard this before, uh, has anybody heard this before? Is, is this uh, something that, uh, is, is this a legal thing? Uh, have other people claimed asylum of conscience uh, successfully or otherwise in this country over the years? Well, she has attempted to compare herself to uh, conscientious objectors at times of war. Okay. Uh, she, you know, she, she views this apparently as some kind of battle, and she's a conscientious objector. In those cases, of course, you're nice. actually asked to kill other people. Um, in this case, she's just issuing marriage licenses. Um, so, yeah, in other situations there have been, but, but those are for individuals. Those aren't for public officials. Uh-huh. Um, there, there's just no case law to support the idea that public officials can deny the rights of others based on their own personal whims. You said uh, Joe Dunman, uh, speaking with Joe Dunman, uh, attorney representing these, uh, these four couples, uh, two gay couples, two straight couples, uh, who are unable to get married at this moment in Rowan County, Kentucky. Uh, Joe, you said that the court will consider, uh, when you finally look at the merits, whether she works for the state or the county. What, what does that mean, precisely? Well, uh- She's an elected official. She's the, the county clerk is an elected position, mm-hmm. so she's voted into office. Um, her the in the pre- previous filings so far, the county has has disclaimed her. They said, "Look, she doesn't work for us. She actually works for the state." Um, I, I don't believe Miss Davis has has argued who she who she works for exactly. Um, but but what her office does is some of the money goes to the county and some of the money goes to the state when she processes these licenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as with all licensing, it's really just a revenue generator. Um, and so that revenue goes in multiple different places. Uh, mm-hmm. in, you know, and, and so no one is really sure exactly who she speaks for. She's enforcing Kentucky state law and she's bound by it, but at the same time she, she holds office in the county uh, uh, courthouse. But what, so, what difference would it make whether she works for the state or the county as far as what she, well, it, she must do? It's a question of liability, really. I mean, it, it, it matters to the county because they don't want to be on the hook for her, um, and it matters to the state because they would be on the hook as well, mm-hmm. um, potentially. I mean, it, it could be her personally. It depends on what the court finds. This question is really, it's, it's kind of an unknown right now, and nobody really knows who the county clerks work for. It's just a state office. It's an elected office in the state um, that people are elected into. They receive um, an $80,000 a year salary. Um, and, you know, we're not quite sure whether that comes from the state or, or the uh, county yet. Like I said, we're at the preliminary injunction stage. We haven't done any kind of discovery. Uh-huh. Um, we haven't reviewed any kind of documents yet. We're at the very beginning of the case. This is, this is just remarkable. I mean, it's, it's really it's a remarkable case. She's defying the, uh, essentially at this point, defying the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, Justice Elena Kagan, who oversees the Sixth, uh, uh, sixth Circuit, the Sixth District, uh, referred Davis's request for asylum of conscience to the full court. They denied it without comment. Uh, can we take anything from that, Joe Dunman, as far as uh, what would happen if this case on the merits makes its way up back up to the uh, Supreme Court? I, I guess to have heard this case one way or another, she would have had to at least get 
Is it four uh, uh, justices on the Supreme Court to agree? Well, not necessarily. I mean, with, with an emergency stay like that, she really, I believe she only needs Justice Kagan to agree with her. Ah, okay. Um, and that was the case in the, in the marriage equality cases around the country. Um, you know, they, like uh, Justice Sotomayor is in charge of the Tenth uh, Circuit, and when the Utah case got there, uh, a, a stay was granted by, the, I believe, the full court, but she's the person who could have done it herself uh-huh. for the Tenth Circuit. Same, same uh, situation for Justice Kagan in the Sixth Circuit. I believe that she would only need the one justice to make the decision as the the chief of the circuit. Um, well, she could have done it herself, but when she took it to but but when she didn't, and she sent it to the full court to ask them, the fact that right. either what nobody or a certain number did not uh, ag- agree. Well, well I, I mean, the, it's a one-sentence order. There's right. no dissent. Um, okay. There, you know, some of those are dissented. Right. One, one thing to note about this. You know, I, I can't predict the future, but I sure. doubt this case ever gets to the Supreme Court because what she's essentially asking is for public officials to defy the Supreme Court. Uh, she's asking them to tell her that they can def- she can just defy whatever orders they pass. I mean, Obergefell, despite her, her sentiments, is the law of the land. A 5-4 majority is just as valid as a 9-0 majority. And so, you know, she's essentially asking the court to give her a free pass on their own decisions. But was this religious freedom argument that she seems to now be making, that wasn't a part of Obergefell, right? That was not a, something that has been yet decided by the court. Ha, it, it, is it? No, yeah, it, no, it hasn't. And, and in, in previous cases that deal with First Amendment rights, public officials have not been given wide breadth. I mean, they're told, do your job. The government, as an employer, can tell you what to do. Um, you have duties to the public that that trump your own personal you know beliefs or or uh, uh, conscience. Mm-hmm. You know, an elected position is voluntary. No one is forcing her to hold that office, um, and so she you know she is free to resign. It's different from the government, for example, drafting you into the military and not giving you a choice. Um, you know, it, that's a big distinction. And there's just no case law to suggest that public officials get a pass. In, in the other freedom of religion cases, we're dealing with individuals, we're dealing with corporations, we're not dealing with people who actually swore an oath to the Constitution. Uh, this is, uh, yeah, th- this is amazing. Were, were there other, I know there were at the uh, initially other county clerks in, in both Kentucky and elsewhere in the country who were making similar claims. Uh, are any of them, to your knowledge, still making claims, still refusing to issue licenses, or is Kim Davis the last dead-ender in America uh, unwilling to issue these licenses? No, to my, to my knowledge, there's two other counties, uh, Casey County and uh, Whitley County. Now, Kentucky has 120 counties, so percentage-wise, we're still doing pretty good. Yeah. Um, but, but I believe there are two other counties, and I know that the clerk of, of Casey County is actually a, a minister, and he, he posted that he was on a bike tour in support of religious freedom right now. Um, so... You know, but as far as I know, no one has sued either either the clerks in those two counties. Um, our case is, is purely against Rowan. And, and your clients, to be fair to her, she says, uh, Kim Davis says, well, you, you can go to the next county over, right? I mean, they don't have to get a license from their own home county. They could go get a license uh, in the next one over, no? No, that's true. Um, but, you know, again, logically extending her argument, what happens when all the county clerks decide that they're conscience won't allow them to give licenses. So you can't, you can't just say, yeah, your constitutional rights are, are suspended in this county, just, you know, drive a little farther over. In his order, in the injunction order, uh, Judge Bunning mentioned this and said, look, you know, 
there are some residents of Brown County who cannot travel at all, and it, they, they are under no obligation to travel to exercise their constitutional rights. They should be able to do that right there in their homes, uh, and our clients are no different. She would have to uh, either resign, as you suggest, uh, which... By the way, seems perfectly reasonable. I mean, there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, government officials are asked to do over the years, you know, go fire the attorney general uh, in the case of Nixon or whatever it is, uh, and they refuse to do it, and therefore they resign. I don't think anyone would look down upon her if she said, you know, I'm required to do this, this violates my personal beliefs, therefore I am resigning. So she has that option. Uh, otherwise, uh, do I understand correctly? She would need to actually be impeached to be removed, impeached by the Kentucky state legislature, which is not even in session until uh, what later this year, next year, uh, the beginning of next year, beginning right. of next year. Uh, so if she doesn't quit on her own, where does this go? I guess you guys are back in court on uh, on Thursday to dis- to discuss. Right. This? Well, in. in- in our in our case, we, we filed today a motion for contempt. Um, we asked the judge to hold her in contempt for violating his order. Um, we've we've only asked for um, civil penalties, a, a financial uh, fine, mm-hmm. uh, r- rather than uh, incarceration or anything extreme like that. Um, you know, the, there's also an official misconduct statute in Kentucky uh, that says that public officials, uh, if they purposely uh, refuse to do their job or interfere with someone's governmental benefits, uh, that it's a misdemeanor and they can be criminally charged. Um, the Rowan County has referred the case um, to the state attorney general, Jack Conway, um, for uh, to appoint a special prosecutor. Uh, they say they're conflicted out because they're a party in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as far as I know, there's been no movement on his end, and, and he's currently running for governor. Um, but, you know, yeah, she could be impeached by the General Assembly. The General Assembly, um, for their part, uh, has, has already introduced two bills for the next session um, suggesting that clerks should be exempted from the job of, of issuing licenses. Um, I don't, they don't suggest who should actually do it or, or what should be done in the alternative, just that clerks should be given an out if, they, if they, uh, their conscience uh, will not let them sign the documents. So, um, yeah, the the political climate is is unique in Kentucky because Kim Davis is a Democrat, but she's a Kentucky Democrat, which means she's very conservative. Um, and so we we have and and Jack Conway is also a Democrat, and Steve Bashir, our current governor, is a Democrat. So. Um, there's a lot of, of interesting dynamics in that regard. There sure is. Has the Kentucky uh, Democratic Party uh, come out one way or another on this, entered this mess to condemn her or any or support her in any way? No, not to my knowledge. Um, but uh, the uh, Republican candidate for governor, uh, Matt Bevan, has come out strongly in her support, um, going so far as to say clerks' lives matter during a, a rally uh, oh, in her man. favor. Um, yeah. And uh, and he he has taken a bold stand in, uh, in defense of her um, for whatever reason he's he's decided to do that. Um, and to my knowledge, Jack Conway has not taken a position, nor has the Democratic Party. Uh, I I can't believe that he actually Matt Bevin, the Republican candidate for governor, right? Uh, right. Said clerks' lives matter. Yes. Uh, comparing that, of course, to the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, where you know. People have uh, black uh, lives have been killed, have been snuffed out uh, right. for decades. Uh, comparing that to uh, that is is just incredible. Uh, there's a, actually a um, kind of amusing uh, a piece that I read yesterday. Uh, Kim Davis, Rowan County uh, clerk, has actually issued a license uh, for two women 
uh, sort of. They, uh, a couple, a woman and a trans man were actually issued a, a, a marriage license a couple of months ago, as I understand it. Am I correct about that? Yeah, from my, I think it was earlier this year. Yeah. Um, but, you know... I, and she didn't know. I, you know, I, as far as I know, you know, if, at the time, you know, if, if he's a trans man, then it's a man and a woman, and she didn't even notice, but... Um, but she, yeah, I don't know. Even though the uh, birth certificate, yeah, apparently the birth certificate uh, still had uh, this this uh, trans man as listed as a woman. She didn't notice. Uh, I, I hope she doesn't go to hell for that because she's now saying this is a uh, where's her statement? Uh, just to be fair, uh, Joe Dunman, she says this is now about uh, an issue of heaven or a heaven or hell decision. She issued this statement today on a. Uh, Actually, on Tuesday afternoon, I have worked in the Rowan County Clerk's Office for 27 years as a deputy clerk and was honored to be elected as the clerk in November 2014 and took office in January 2015. She just came in this year. Uh, right. You're right. That's true. As far as being clerk, I think her mother uh, preceded her uh, prior to that. Yes, her mother preceded her <laughs> and her son currently works in the office. She says, I love my job and the people of Rowan County. I've never lived any place other than Rowan County. Some people have said I should resign, but I have done my job well. In addition to my desire to serve the people of Rowan County, I owe my life to Jesus Christ, who loves me and gave his life for me. I am not perfect. No one is, but I am forgiven, and I love my Lord and must be obedient to him and to the word of God to issue a marriage license which conflicts with God's definition of marriage, which my name affixed with my name affixed to the certificate, would violate my conscience. It is uh, not a light issue for me. It is a heaven or hell decision. To me, this has never been a gay or lesbian issue. It's about marriage and God's word. It's a matter matter of religious liberty, which is protected under the First Amendment, the Constitution, and the Kentucky Religious Freedom Restoration Act. I never sought to be in this position, she said, and I would much rather not have been placed in this position. I received death threats from people who do not know me. I harbor nothing against them. I was elected by the people to serve as the county clerk. I intend to continue to serve the people of Rowan County, but I cannot violate my conscience. That's uh, Rowan County Clerk uh, Kim Davis, her statement on Tuesday uh, defying the Supreme Court and pretty much all the courts below that. Uh, to issue marriage licenses, uh, Joe Dunman, who is paying her legal bills for all of this? Uh, is this the taxpayers? And by the way, who is paying your clients' legal bills? Well, um, as of right, as far as I know, um, her attorneys, the Liberty Council, um, who are a, a far right wing religious uh, uh, advocacy group, mm -hmm. um, they are working pro bono. She's, from my understanding, she's not being charged uh, for her attorneys, and uh, our clients are the same. We're we're currently working for free um, under under federal law. You know, there's an attorney's fees provision for the prevailing party. So, you know, we, we may at the end of this be able to file a, a, a fee petition uh, to have the losing party pay our attorney fees, but our clients won't pay a dime. Uh, we're, we're happy to work for free. Uh, these constitu constitutional rights are very important, and, uh, you know, they need attorneys to fight for them, and we're happy to do that. She would, um, if, if the court uh, decides she's in contempt, the court can charge her per day that's what i guess you guys are asking for right a, a, an increasing amount each and every day that she refuses to uh to do her job she would be personally liable for that would she not or or would that be the county or the state that would be on the hook 
Well, that's a good question, but um, I assume you know the the the, per, the judge not having issued an order yet. Um, you know, normally it would be it would be a penalty to her. Um, but you know, as far as who actually pays it, I don't know at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're we're seeking a, a financial penalty um, to help incentivize her uh, to do her job. And nice of you to not seek uh, prison time for her. But I guess in some sense that might make her a martyr uh, at the end of the day. Uh, th- that people, I mean, they're already seeing her. I think in that regard, uh, I think ultimately uh, a financial penalty would hurt much more. But. We will see where this goes. Uh, you you make the case on Thursday. Does the judge um, make make his determination on Thursday as well? Uh, don't know. Don't know. He he could do it that day or several days later. Wow, fascinating story, Joe Dunman. Uh, you're incredibly uh, enlightening and helpful in understanding this story. Before I let you go, one uh, you've got. I want to let you uh, uh, mention this because you've got a podcast, as I understand it, with your uh, with the other lead lawyer in this case, Dan Cannon, Uh, by the name. The podcast is named Parade of Horribles. That's correct. correct. And I don't know what it's about, but it's a fantastic name. I'm sorry (laughs) I didn't come up with that first and use it for this show. What is Parade of Horribles and, and how can people listen to that? Well, Parade of Horribles is a reference to slippery slope arguments. Um, it, it's the kind that certain j- Supreme Court justices love to trot out anytime something doesn't go their way. Um, and so we, we make a reference to that. Um, it's a civil rights podcast. Dan and I interview attorneys and activists uh, to talk about civil rights issues. Um, we've, we've had episodes on immigration, on uh, police and government, on same-sex marriage, um, and most recently on political activism and the Black Lives Matter. Um, you know, it's an interview show. Uh, we, we have a guest on. We answer uh, uh, listener questions, um, and it's available on iTunes. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter um, and on SoundCloud. And, yeah, Parade of Horribles, the podcast. And uh, over on Twitter, that's uh, P-O-H podcast. And you can fi- find uh, Joe Dunman of, uh, uh, what's the full name of the, uh, Clay, Daniel Walton, and Adams in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, you can find uh, him over there. And, uh, wow, uh, we need to have you back, Joe. I hope you won't mind uh, coming back. No, I'd be happy to. All right, you'll be sorry. I'm going to do that. Uh, <laughs> okay, thank you, sir. Joe Dunman, great talking to you, and uh, good luck down there in Rowan County. I appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. We're going to take a quick break and come back with much more Bradcast right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. Shaking it off. Haters is gonna hate, ain't they? Uh, welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, before we get to, uh, well, we got some uh, some uh, election news I'm gonna try to get to, but uh, Desi Doyen, um, how do you pronounce, as we were talking Kentucky, 
How do you pronounce the uh, capital of Kentucky? Is it Louisville or Louisville? I've always heard Louisville. Okay, it was a trick question. Capital is Frankfurt. Oh. <laughs> You're welcome. Now, um, what was the next thing? Oh, yeah, you said uh, during the break you were talking, uh, Des, about uh, Kim Davis's statement that, uh, where is it here, God ordained. Uh, I know that God ordained marriage from the very foundation of this world to be between a man and a woman. Well, actually, in the Bible, if we want to be, you know, accurate, it's between a man and several women. It's so a, apparently she's exactly. in favor of polygamy. A, a man and as many women as basically he wants. As he can get away with. Yeah, hundreds. Didn't some of them have hundreds? Sure. So I guess she's okay with that. If the Supreme Court uh, required her to, uh, you know, give out marriage licenses for one man and a hundred women, she'd be cool. But just not uh, two women, two men. Uh, all right. What else do we have here I want to get to? Uh, we are going to get to uh, Obama in the Arctic, I'm hoping. And uh, yesterday's, I, I talked a little bit about uh, yesterday's interview with Beth Clarkson, uh, the statistician from Kansas, uh, who believes she has found evidence of voting machine manipulation in Kansas. She's working on a theory that uh, some, some several other uh, statisticians have also looked at in other states where, in general, they see the... Um, the amount, the percentage of the vote for Republicans goes up, curves up, the larger the precinct size. And that sort of goes against uh, conventional political wisdom that says, you know, larger precincts is where, you know, urban areas, you've got more of a Democratic uh, turnout in those places. The Democratic turnout uh, should go up. The Democratic vote should go up, not the Republicans. And, and uh, uh, Beth Clarkson, Elizabeth Clarkson, Ph.D., She's the chief statistician for Wichita University's National Institute for Aviation Research. So she knows statistics, whether she knows uh, voting machines and, and hacking them and all remains to be seen or would remain to be seen, except for Kansas Secretary of State Chris Kobach is not allowing her to look at the so-called paper trails which we are supposed to be able to look at if there's ever any questions about these uh, voting machine results. At least that's what these people who promote paper trails rather than hand-counted, hand-marked paper ballots always say. And then they're always wrong. We never get to go back and look. In any event, you can hear that full interview at bradblog.com, but I had posted it. We post all of our shows also over at Daily Coast. And uh, man... Uh, well, actually, this show everywhere over at uh, Daily Coast, at risk of sounding like Donald Trump, uh, the show is a hit. It's huge. It's huge at Facebook, at uh, D uh, Daily Coast, everywhere where we post it. Reddit, it's on the front page of Reddit. But what was, what was really funny is that over at Daily Coast, it's huge. It's on the hot list. And Daily Coast, ironically enough, I haven't posted over at Daily Coast actually ever until I was recently invited a few months ago to start uh, to join their radio group and start posting the broadcast over there. And the reason I never posted over there, it was my own sort of personal, quiet boycott of Daily Coast because they uh, would not allow, they actually banned users after the 2004 election who looked at uh, election fraud in the state of Ohio. And, you know, they called the people like me conspiracy theory nutters and uh, everything else. So, you know, didn't make a big thing out of it. Uh, I just, you know, have never posted over there until they invited me. Well, now, yesterday's show about Beth Clarkson 
has hundreds of comments, hundreds of recommendations, a huge long thread uh, discussing the show. Quite ironical, but enjoyable. So I'm glad they're uh, enjoying it. And it's a good discussion, by the way, over there. Go check out the comments at Daily Coast. Um, okay, in Missouri, speaking of uh, voting and my hometown, uh, this funny this story is just kind of funny, and I've been trying, trying to get to it. Uh, in Columbia, Missouri, smack dab in the middle of the state, uh, Mizzou, uh, Missouri University is, uh, is located there. Uh, there is a community improvement district uh, that has been created by business owners. They positioned, uh, uh, petitioned Columbia, Missouri to create this so-called community improvement district that would have the authority to impose a half-cent sales tax increase with voter approval. So they want to, instead of the, the, the business owners there, instead of uh, paying higher taxes themselves, higher property taxes... They want to pass this on to the to the shoppers to the, to, the, to the shoppers, right? A half cent sales tax increase with voter approval. However, they were very clever. They drew the district lines around this community improvement district in such a way so as to not contain any voters. So they wouldn't have to. So they would automatically win any election that they had because there was no there was no voters actually actively living and or registered in their CID, their community improvement district. At least that was the plan. Yes, at least that was the plan. They didn't realize that, in fact, there was a voter who lived in that district, in that community improvement district, one voter, one single voter. Her name is Jen Henderson. She's a University of Missouri student, and uh, and she registered to vote there. I think it was what was it, student housing or something? Yes, that she, she was... has a job, and with that job, with the university, comes a an apartment. And so she was at the DMV getting her driver's license renewed when, surprise, with the motor voter yes. law, the clerk offered her the opportunity to register to vote. So she did. So she did. By law. By law. She's the only registered voter in the uh, in this new community improvement district. Specially drawn. And Chris. so, yeah, exactly. Specially drawn to avoid these troubling, uh, meddlesome voters like Jen Henderson. Uh, and so immediately, of course, they started, uh, you know, trying to convince her to approve the sales tax increase or to unregister or to. Uh, that's right. Unregister. Yeah. Don't vote. We don't want you to vote. I mean, what you know, so either vote for us or unregister so we don't have to have an election in which you will vote us down. And if you vote us down, oh, by the way, we've already started our planned improvements for the day. We're going to be on the hook for those. So would you mind shutting up and getting out and not bothering us? Well, Jen Henderson does not want to do that. She would like to vote. And she's looking at this and says, wait a minute, this is kind of a regressive tax. A sales tax. And she's correct because it applies to rich and poor alike at the same rate. Um, so she's refusing to do that. She's refusing to unregister. And I believe the election was therefore going to happen today, this week. Yeah. This week. And uh, if they, of course, if they lose the election, then the businesses are on the hook for all of this money that they've already invested. 
So I believe this morning uh, the business owners somehow were able to cancel they, the vote. Yes, the, uh, the, the, <laughs> the, the the district board met and they said, oh, well, we're going to postpone the vote because, yes. of course, if it's not going to go our way, we want to cancel that. Until when? When are they going to um, they, I, postpone? I have not seen when they'll postpone it to. They are going to be in discussions with her. She was very not happy when she researched into what they had done, and she said that it was clearly intended to kick out all the voters sure. and she was of concern for her her neighbors who are kicked out of that particular voting district but they're poor and she said you're going to be taxing their food you guys make seventy thousand dollars a year on this board this is wrong you shouldn't do that and uh but they did because they like to pretend they give a damn about democracy oh we'll have a voting district and we'll get this approved by the voters who don't exist Except for the one who does. Love that story. We'll keep our eye on that story. But you see the, the, the length that people go to to pretend they love democracy, but they really don't. Uh, in Alabama, you've got a, a kind of a similar situation where uh, Alabama has one of the more uh, stringent, one of the more strict photo ID voting restrictions. You have to, if you're going to vote in Alabama, you have to have a, uh, a photo ID. Um uh, very specifically, you know, one of the few that the state wants you to have. And if you don't have it, you don't get to vote. Uh, or at least the Alabama is actually actually a little bit more stringent. Uh, I'm sorry, the opposite of stringent is a little bit more loose. Relaxed. Relaxed uh, on this. Uh, if you don't have a photo ID, you can vote a provisional ballot. However, you have only until Friday at 5 to show up and bring the required ID. But here's the more relaxed part. If two election officials recognize you as an eligible voter, then you can uh, sign a, a sworn affidavit uh, so stating and you get to vote. Two? Yeah. Okay, so, so one's, one's, that's just right out. One is right out. It's got to be two. And so that means, you know, hey, if you're uh, if you're friendly, if you're part of the good old boy networks, live there a while, you get to vote. But if, uh, you know, not, two are not willing to say, yeah, I recognize you, Joe, you can absolutely vote. Then you don't get to vote. Or you get to vote, but then you have to figure out how to get ID by Friday at 5 p.m. or your vote won't count. And a lot of people where they put in these uh, photo ID restrictions, these uh, Republicans put in these uh, restrictions, a lot of people think that, oh, I got a provisional, then my uh, my vote will count. No, your vote will not count unless you can figure out. Now, mind you, you're probably someone without a driver's license. It was hard enough for you to get to the voting location. It was hard enough for you to take off a day of work to get there. And now you've got to do it all again somehow to get down to the county with your photo ID, which you also have to somehow receive and pay for. Even if they're free, they're not free because you've got to pay for a birth certificate. You've got to pay for a passport you need to pay for the underlying documents in order to get the ID. But in any event, in Alabama now, <laughs> they are in the process. They've got 49 driver's license offices around the country, mind, around the state, and they require you to, uh, you know, to have a driver's license or a couple of other types of ID in order to vote. But now Alabama is in the process of closing 45 of 49 driver's license offices. 
So uh, as uh, Jen Hayden writes uh, over at uh, Daily Coast, speaking of, she says, uh, considering that 18.7% of residents live at poverty level and another 8.4% at extreme poverty levels, this is another blow that will surely leave more people behind. Can you imagine a single parent needing to take an entire day or even two days to travel to a driver's license office and then wait all day for their turn to take the test? And they're going to have to now drive all over the place to get there because 45 of 49 of them are going to be closed. The Southern Poverty Law Center says that 52 percent of Alabamians will lose access to a nearby driver's license office when 45 of the existing 49 close. So that's how they're making it harder for you to vote in uh, in Alabama. Just one of the many ways at least they're not um, drawing the districts around you and uh, holding the vote in a district with no voters. So there's that. No time to get to uh, how Georgia is disenfranchising voters and now how they have admitted that they are illegally disenfranchising and they have been misleading voters in election after election. No time for that, but we'll try to get to that on tomorrow's broadcast. If the radio gods are with us, we're going to take a quick break and come back with Obama chilling in the arctic i'm brad friedman this is your bradcast stay tuned way up no to alaska way up no to alaska no to alaska go north for us your song Welcome back. Brad, Brad Friedman for, uh, from bradblog.com. This is your Bradcast. And uh, Barack Obama has gone way up north to Alaska, to the Arctic Circle. I believe he's the first sitting president to do so. Yes, to go up north of the Arctic Circle. Yes, and, uh, and I know that uh, McKinley didn't. President Thomas McKinley, that all of the uh, Republicans... <laughs> it's William what? McKinley. <laughs> oh, they don't even know that. See, they the people who are mad about the renaming of Mount McKinley back to Denali, they don't even know who this McKinley guy is. I know, it's hilarious. Um, in any event, uh, Barack Obama gave a uh, pretty moving, I, I should say, passionate speech. Powerful, I would say. With the Glacier, what's that stand for? The Glacier you know? Conference is Global Leadership in Alaska, and then the C-I-E-R stands for other stuff like cooperation, innovation, uh, engagement, and resilience. Well Glacier. done. I thought I, I thought it was a trick. It was a trick question. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to come up with it. So he, he gave a speech and it's uh, all of the uh, eight co- eight countries. Yes, testing there are you again. eight countries, eight countries that make up this group that uh, all sort of own a piece of the Arctic right. uh, Circle. And uh, he spoke about climate change. Now, it should be said that we have been very critical about Barack Obama allowing uh, Shell Oil to drill up there in the pristine Arctic. But... At the same time, this was a very powerful speech that nobody pretty much on cable news or anywhere else has actually heard because they're all talking about Donald Trump. So we're going to do something about that and play an extended uh, extended extended excerpt from uh, Barack Obama at the Glacier Conference up above the Arctic Circle on Monday night. The science is stark. In fact, the Arctic is the leading edge of climate change, our leading indicator of what the entire planet faces. 
climate change is no longer some far-off problem. It is happening here. It is happening now. And the fact is that climate is changing faster than our efforts to address it. That, ladies and gentlemen, must change. We're not acting fast enough. I've come here today as the leader of the world's largest economy and its second largest emitter to say that the United States recognizes our role in creating this problem, and we embrace our responsibility to help solve it. And I believe we can solve it. That's the good news. Even if we cannot reverse the damage that we've already caused, we have the means, the scientific imagination and technological innovation to avoid irreparable harm. But we're not moving fast enough. None of the nations represented here are moving fast enough. We know that human activity is changing the climate. That is beyond dispute. Everything else is politics. We also know the devastating consequences if the current trend lines continue. That is not deniable. And we are going to have to do some adaptation, and we are going to have to help communities be resilient, because some of these trend lines we are not going to be able to stop on a dime. But if those trend lines continue the way they are, there's not going to be a nation on this earth that's not impacted negatively. People will suffer. Economies will suffer. More drought, more floods, rising sea levels, greater migration, more refugees, more scarcity, more conflict. That's one path we can take. The other path is to embrace the human ingenuity that can do something about it. This is within our power. This is a solvable problem if we start now. So the time to heed the critics and the cynics and the deniers is past. Those who want to ignore the science, they are increasingly alone. They're on their own shrinking island. If we stop trying to build a clean energy economy and reduce carbon pollution, if we do nothing to keep glaciers from melting faster and oceans from rising faster and forests from burning faster and storms from growing stronger, we will condemn our children to a planet beyond their capacity to repair. Submerged countries, abandoned cities, fields no longer growing, desperate refugees seeking the sanctuary of nations not their own, political disruptions that could trigger multiple conflicts around the globe. That's not a future of strong economic growth. That is not a future where freedom and human rights are on the move. Any so-called leader who does not take this issue seriously or treats it like a joke is not fit to lead. On this issue, of all issues, there is such a thing as being too late. That moment is almost upon us. There are hard questions to answer. I am not trying to suggest that there are not going to be difficult transitions that we all have to make. But if we unite our highest aspirations, if we make our best efforts to protect this planet for future generations, we can solve this problem. We've got work to do, and we've got to do it together.
Good luck with that, Mr. President. That was President Obama speaking on Monday night at the Glacier Conference up in the Arctic Circle. A uh, well, that was actually in Anchorage, which is not within Anchorage. The, oh, okay, just Anchorage. to be he's heading totally up there. precise. Well, you're right. I appreciate that. Uh, a moving speech. Well, yes. I mean, were you impressed? Uh, I was it? very impressed with, in fact, the part where he says the U.S. takes responsibility and mm. re- uh, for for causing the problem in part and responsibility for addressing it. So this is all about leading to Paris in December, where the U.N. final cl- climate treaty negotiations will be concluded. We'll see. Well, they'll be concluded. We'll not be sure yet what actually comes <laughs> One out. One way or another, they'll be concluded oh, for yes. good or bad. All right. My thanks to Desi Doyen. Thank you very much for uh, pulling that for us. Uh, Desi Doyen, our producer. My thanks to Cynthia Cohn, our booking goddess, and to attorney Joe Dunman, my guest today. Go follow him on Twitter at Joe Dunman, D-U-N-M-A-N. I think he's fantastic. All right. We'll be back We'll be back with you tomorrow. Maybe we'll be able to crack open the phone lines and hear from you a little bit. Uh, Until then, you can find me as ever over at bradblog.com where you can download uh, all of our programs. And you can and should find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at at the Brad Blog. Finally, if nothing else works, you can email me. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. All right. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.